Hi friend, I'm just going to jump right in and say that I thought Integrity was going to be my special end of season 2 episode word where I get somebody from the season to sort of like flip the switch and interview me and I was like all set, I was like this season's going to go great and it's going to be awesome, it's going to be really easy, I already know how it starts, I already know how it ends, we're just going to get right through that, but then I realize that integrity couldn't be my word because frankly I already have it and my end of the season word needs to be a word that I find along the way. So I had to confront the scarier thing which is the unknown. So more on the unknown to come. To tell you about my relationship with integrity, I first have to tell you about the awards assemblies at my elementary school. So we had, of course, end of the year awards assemblies, but we also had awards assemblies every nine weeks. And in those awards assemblies, part of the ceremonies was giving out character awards. And these were given out to students who demonstrated good character throughout the nine weeks period. And each nine weeks period had a different word associated with it. So one would be responsibility, another one might be citizenship, trustworthiness, all sorts of, you know, just overall good traits to have. Not every student would get one of these awards, so if you got one, you were very much picked by your teacher. I tended to usually get the kindness award But in the fourth grade, I did not get the kindness award. In fact, I remember feeling shocked and, dare I say, aghast when they called up the fourth grade kindness awardees and I was not one of them. And so I was a little bit miffed and uh, annoyed about that until the next nine weeks period came along and they were giving out the awards of integrity and my name was called. And so I, you know, of course received the award, but I didn't really even know what my teacher saw in me to give me that. So I remember accepting the award and coming home and being very concerned and stoic and approaching my dad, handing him the award to look at. And he, of course, like congratulating me and being very nice, very sweet, but I wasn't really in the mind space to receive the praise because I was so hung up on why was I not chosen for kindness, (laughs) like usual, like that's the workflow. And I basically asked him to explain what integrity was because I had no relationship with the word. So I heard the words that he was saying, but my only response was, if you have integrity, you're also kind, right? I think he could tell that that was sort of what I needed to here and so he was like yeah yeah sure i don't really remember what he said but it was to that effect where i was consoled enough i was able to accept the award even though i did not understand it so that's where my relationship with integrity began and since then it has grown and actually become more defined 
And today I define it in myself as an alignment of my intentions, my speech, and my actions. So setting intentions for myself, speaking the intentions that I want to be publicly known, and following through on what I say I'm going to do. And to be honest, I'm pretty good at that. Like I am able to sort of like speak things into existence and to follow through with a lot of things, especially if their work are professionally related. But at the same time, I do really struggle with integrity because I don't always prioritize the things that are most authentic to me. So while I do the things that I say that I'm going to do most of the time, I don't always do the things that are most conducive to my self-growth and betterment. So I guess there's sort of two modes on which I operate in terms of integrity. On one end, there's this contagious momentum that when I catch myself being really aligned, I feel like it builds trust in myself and reliability. And I am able to sort of let that effect snowball because I'm believing in myself. And then on the other end, I definitely fall into patterns where I passively sabotage everything that I'm trying to get done. So I look for little reasons not to do things or uh, if I can't do it perfectly, I just won't do anything at all. Or I just, I'm really creative actually with the ways that I get in front of myself and prevent myself from growing. But I've found that being really conscious of the choice whether to further myself or not further myself, I've learned that I can rely on myself and I can actually finish things. This podcast is a great example of stuff that I've finished. So now that I've sort of planted the seed of I can and should believe in and rely on myself to get the things done that I intend to do, I have been trying to practice this everyday integrity through my play. In addition to starting this podcast, I also wanted to work on the movie Harold and the Purple Crayon, which I'm so grateful to have done. I also wanted to complete a weightlifting program, which I just struggled to do after several attempts. I also just got my first ever martial arts ranking, so I'm officially 6th Q in Aikido, which feels amazing. And the next two things on my list are that I really want to learn how to belay and I want to get my motorcycle license. So I have a lot of things set up for me and a lot of goals that I want to pursue. But in these goals and things that are genuinely played to me that I really do want to do, I'm always challenged by, I guess, self-imposed obstacles. I guess it usually just all comes down to the prioritizing and the self-sabotaging that I mentioned earlier. I do struggle a lot with setting my intention for the day. For example, with Aikido, I say, okay, I'm only going to be at work from this time to this time. I need to leave work by 6.15 in order to make it through all the traffic and to get to the dojo so that I can check in and then put on my gi and then be on the mat before class starts. However, unfortunately, there's now been a pattern of times where I set that intention for the day, leave work by 6.15, and then 6.15 comes up and rolls on by, and I'm still working, and then I don't leave until 
6.35, which doesn't seem that much later, but braving all the traffic and, you know, all the other steps that I have to do, it can often put me getting there just minutes late, which is reason enough for me to just drive away out of guilt and shame. It also has sort of the opposite effect of the contagious momentum. And when I'm in those patterns, it's really hard for me to break out of them because I feel like I'm building up the lack of trust instead of the trust itself. So instead of I'm going to leave work at 6.15, it becomes I don't trust myself to leave at 6.15 and then I can't leave work at 6.15 and then I won't leave work at 6.15. Every time I do that, it just puts me in like, oh, well, you didn't do that, so now you have to punish yourself. So, didn't leave work at 6.15? Guess I can't go to Aikido. Can't go to Aikido one day. (laughs) Just can't go the rest of the week. And that, my friends, is not the, uh, the path to success. Still figuring that out, but I do know that you do have to show up for you to get better at whatever you're doing. So, that's my main challenge. I also have faced the challenge of comparison to other people's intentions as well as my own confidence. I could probably make a line graph out of this actually where the x-axis is other people's expectations slash intentions with their goals and then the y-axis could be my level of confidence in my intentions and my goals. So it's been really interesting because I'm finding consistently that why I'm there is not why other people are there and I have to consistently remind myself that it is okay for me to be in the space that I am taking up simply because I want to be there. So for example, I've been putting myself in a lot of intensive physical training environments. Like I went to a several day staged combat workshop. I've been going to Aikido and Irish dance and I've been doing my weightlifting program also. So I'm in the gym a fair amount. And in each of these environments, there are degrees of people who are there for various reasons, which makes sense. But the more niche and I guess expensive you get, the less broad the pool of people and therefore reasons are that they're there. And a lot of them tend to get more and more professionally related the nichier you go. It's been really challenging to not force myself in the box of I am inserting myself into this space because I want this and only this for my career. And it's hard for me to not instinctually just put myself in the box because I'm so inclined to just people please and not cause any issue, like be the least amount of issue possible. But when I do that, as soon as I put myself in a box, I feel just this gut instinct telling me that I'm being inauthentic. And when I feel like I'm being disingenuous, it actually dims my light a lot because I don't feel like I'm being myself and that people aren't getting to know me for me. They're just seeing this sort of shell of a person that's reflecting what they think the rest of the environment is supposed to look like. So when I catch myself in this headspace of losing confidence ever so quickly, I have found that I desperately need, as soon as I remember, to remind myself that it is simply okay that the reasons and intentions behind me putting myself in these situations is simply just because I want to be there. 
and that is just fine. And it's also okay that my reason for being there doesn't match with somebody else's. And that's been a really tough pill to swallow because so much of my life so far has been sort of with this cohort mindset. Like this group of people around the same age, all introduced to some environment, usually scholastic, and put through the ringer on specific tasks and objectives that need to be completed in order to move along. But outside of that rigid environment, I am learning that I don't have to move with a cohort. I can create new communities and new friends wherever I go, and that I should and can choose to abide by my intentions for myself. And right now, my intention is to play. And so if something feels like play, then I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't feel like play, I'm not. And play is a good enough reason to me for taking up space. In accordance with playing and taking up space, I would love to now introduce you to the true guest of integrity, Mr. Joshua H.B. Denard. Joshua and I met in the same space, in the same role, on different timelines. Joshua and I were both hired as assistant editors at a post house here in Atlanta. We really only chatted a handful of times because he was so invested in his project and I was so invested on mine. But the few times that we did chat, I really enjoyed sort of getting to know him and I could feel the warmth of his person and his personality uh, coming through. And the last time we talked at the post house, he happened to drop the word integrity and I got a little green flag or purple flag, maybe, saying, you know, it could be really cool to get to know somebody like Joshua through this podcast. And so I mustered up all of my courage because I was actually pretty scared to reach back out to him. And I sent him a, just a cold message asking him to be on. And luckily for us, he said yes. Not only is Joshua an assistant editor, but he is also a writer and a director and a creative editor, and he is also the co-founder of an independent production company based out of Atlanta called J19 Global, which he started with his mom. He also has a podcast called The C Word, S-E-E, and he always just seems to be teeming with creative energy to put towards whatever creative projects bubble up in front of him. In our conversation, we talk a bit on how trust impacts integrity and what that sort of relationship is like. And in a way, this recording this episode was sort of a meta exercise of trust for us both because, again, we didn't really know each other, honestly. So needless to say, I was very thankful that he agreed to embark on this exercise of trust and integrity with me. Before recording the full episode, Joshua told me two points of interest. One, that he would definitely be a panda if he was an animal, which I respect. And two, that on a recent trip to Tennessee, he looked up into the sky and saw the most stars he'd ever seen. He also said that he could see the lines that connected them to make the constellations. And I thought that that was really beautiful. So now that mine and Joshua's stars have aligned, I would love to invite you to be part of our constellation. 
Hello, Joshua. Thank hey. you so much for joining me. I'm so excited and also very calm in your presence. Right on. I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I try and, you know, keep a good energy about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really beautiful. Um, well, we're here, as you know, today to talk about the word integrity. And I'm actually really excited about this because we this is actually one of our like maybe probably maybe our like fourth or fifth ever conversation mm -hmm. because we work together but we didn't really we were working in the same space but we weren't working together right but one of the only times we actually got to chat on your way out um you told me that you uh you happened to mention that you have a, a tattoo that says integrity and i was like oh that's interesting because integrity is something that I've always wanted to really like fully understand and explore, but right. I felt like we didn't have the the chance to really get to the root of it in that moment because right. you were, you know, really busy with work and turnarounds and stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 that I was. You really were in the weeds, but pulling through. Um so I was wondering if you wouldn't mind, could you share the story of your integrity tattoo and mm. what it means to you? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, the tattoo is one of seven. Uh, they're the seven laws of Bushido, right? Uh, so integrity, respect, honor, courage, you know, look the rest of them up, right? Um, but that the first one, Gi. Gi is integrity. And it's funny to me that I found out that kanji is what, you know, what they call it when they're tattooing a Japanese inscription on you. But that kanji, uh, Gi is representative of the uniform you wear in karate. That's what they call it, right? Yeah. <laughs> they call that get up a Gi. Yeah. Um, and I really got the, I got the tattoo at a time in my life where I really wanted to hone in on my values. It was around the fall, probably a few years ago, and I really wanted to just, I have an Afro for the same reason, honestly. I, I like physical reminders of promises I've made to myself. And for me, that is a lot of what integrity is. I've had the same vision for so long. I've been in the entertainment industry since I was a child and um, keeping keeping my head keeping my faith about it, keeping my hope, staying optimistic, keeping this calming and good energy, like all these things are because I'm rooted in this structure and this base and this discipline and this integrity that allows me to be hopeful about what I do, what I'm looking to do, what I want, everything, honestly. It, I, I don't really ever doubt myself mm. because of it, you know, which some people might look at like I'm crazy, but I try it, I win. <laughs> you know, if I don't win, I learn. Like, I, I've never really, I don't have, uh, recently I've been saying uh, good problems. We're all going to have problems. I like to have good problems. Mm -hmm. And integrity is how you formulate the structure of how you look at your life, mm -hmm. in my mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really, uh, really interesting to hear that uh, integrity is, uh, you said the it's geek. Yeah. In Japanese, that's so interesting because I just started taking uh, Aikido this uh, this um, year, and so I've started. Uh, we've the our um, uniforms are also geese there, yeah. and uh, it's 
it, I just it just makes sense that that would be one of the principles, right. you know, because even I've only like barely scratched the surface, so yeah. I don't want to come off as I don't know, like, you know, A too master, big for my boots or right. anything. But <laughs> I've already taken like so many. Um, just like wisdom and life lessons from it that I never would have encountered outside of having a practice like that. Right. So that it all just makes sense. Did you have any, um, what led you to those principles? Like how did you find them or stumble upon them? Um, honestly, business, mm. right. Uh, through just being in the entertainment business, being a business owner, being mm-hmm. a production company owner, um, being, you know, a, a self-proclaimed revolutionary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all these things are just, their values are important. I, you know, you can't really go about, I don't like to, at the time I was feeling very, I wanted to run away from everything that felt compromising. You know, I wanted to get away from anything that didn't feel like a proper business practice to me, right? I wanted to run away from any persons that made me feel that way. So the um, the tattoo is just a physical reminder, again, of like, hey, you can do business and you can operate in a way that you see fit, that you see as um, of a high moral standard and of, of that maintains your integrity. Like you can do these things and you don't have to feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to feel bad about it. You can make a lot of money doing it. Like it's all good. You're in you. That's a part of who you are, actually. Like that's a, it's important <laughs> for you to stay that way. That's the meaning of integrity. So mm. it was um business kind of, I've always had the values because I've been a very like, just kind of conscious person. I care about people. I ask, I'm very, I ask myself a lot of questions, uh, kind of do a lot of critical thinking. But what actually made me commit to the seven laws of Bushido and just integrity, honor, respect, and courage and just these very fundamental rules is business Hmm. honestly if i wasn't a businessman i don't know if i would have latched on to them the same way that's so interesting because i feel like principles like that sort of like life guiding principles should be universally applicable to whatever walk of life you're pursuing so that's really interesting that it came like a lot of people might associate it with um like martial arts but um it it's actually been a good uh sort of business extension yeah, for you absolutely um, and i'm sure it's carried over to other aspects of your life as well yeah for the most part, friendships relationships mm-hmm. uh the martial arts i did do and i have done like yeah i try and maintain you know i was before we got started i was saying a project that i'm on right project dur it's an acronym right uh discipline intention and routine and integrity is for me the the capsule that helps those things breathe right mm-hmm. like if as long as your your structure is sound you mm-hmm. can build a house mhm so you see it as a foundational absolutely element Absol- yeah. absolutely it with, without it i don't know for me i have nothing without without me being who I am, I take pride in who I am as a person because even if I'm not the best at something, people tend to like me. And therefore, I get opportunities that someone might be, quote unquote, more qualified for. But people understand that I'm going to come through 
Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to I'm going to deliver. I'm going to fight for it. I'll stay up all night if I have to. Like I do what needs to be done, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, I take pride in that. I take pride in people trusting me with that. And I, I don't that comes from our roots of integrity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's key that just the trust element, because I think it's like two sides of the the same coin where integrity builds trust in you like as seen from other people like coworkers and uh, friends and peers and whoever mm-hmm. but also um at least for me i feel like each time i sort of practice integrity or i recognize that i'm um you know having holding that space of integrity for myself like following up on things i told myself i would do um i feel like i can trust myself more do you what are your thoughts on trust versus integrity? That's a, that's a great point. Um, yeah, I would say that I do I do develop building blocks for trusting myself through through that foundation, through that space. Um, and then the more that I follow through with things, the more that I trust myself to follow through with things, the the better it is. I mean, in thirty days, your life can change. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget. I had a, um, <laughs> I had a, I had a Sebring. Uh, uh, what is that? A Mercury? It wasn't. Was it a Mercury Sebring? I don't know. What Chrysler? Chrysler Sebring. I had a Chrysler <laughs> Sebring. The reverse went out on the car, and I was, and nobody could believe it. For months, I was driving around, smile on my face, working everywhere I could. You know, saying I can't go back. And I just was able to adopt an, a completely different mentality about what I was going through. And I was able to use that as a physical driver to motivate me. And I told my friend one day, I said, yo, I'd rather have a messed up BMW than a messed up Sebring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, going back to the thing about having good problems, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, and and that that for me just kind of rooted it into what do I really want? Who do I really want to be? How do I really want to be? What is my real structure? And honestly, in 30 days, my life changed. Wow. You know, I'm working out. I mean, it changed. You can, you can, as witness, as evidence right here, you can change everything in 30 days. Not saying I didn't have stuff going on, but it drastically improved in 30 days. Mm, Just your, like, was it all sort of encompassing did you improve in sort of all of the areas that you felt you were weak in or lacking in or how did you measure that improvement um well for me i had to journal every day okay you know top of 2020 i think i ended up filling up like six journals you know because i was just doing it religiously and Mm -hmm. um that's how i knew i was keeping the space of consistency and that's how that's helped me track that and yeah, it did reverberate through everything. I reverberated my body. I was just more in shape. I was eating better. I was making more money. I was, I was. I had two new vehicles before, and within mm-hmm. a few short months, like every, every, literally everything mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. better. There was not a single aspect of my life that, um, I didn't feel any more weakness at that time. Wow. And that type of discipline is very hard to maintain, um, but. For me, that goes. I have to tap back into the integrity, the pradur, discipline, intention, and routine. Right, like those three elements help. Are they should have roots in your integrity, and that's where I'm at now. Just kind of reframing. Okay, all of that change stuck. Right, it stuck. All of that change stuck. 
So now what's the next level? Mm-hmm. How do I, what, what do I do next? How do I take that, what I was able to do, evolve it and keep going? Yeah. And it's a constantly evolving process. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It seems like it all comes back to the, the dirt project, which I love. It, you know, I'll tell you the project that changed me the first time was uh-huh. called Project Chopper. Tell me about that. So Project Chopper uh, is really as simple as the sound. You know, Chopper is a street word for AK-47, right? And I'm thinking like, you know, it's rapid fire. It's it's kind of violent. It's it's bombastic. But at the same time, people use it all over the world. So just like, what's a lot of energy? I just needed, yeah. needed something with a lot of energy. You know, okay. I'm not a violent guy, but I needed just a word. Project Chopper just gave me... The end, it just every time I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm working on Project Chopper. I just right. I felt like I had the energy of you know a thousand bullets behind me, like I could go. Wow, you know, and that was that helped me at the time. So now uh, I, from that time, I named every every couple of quarters, every quarter or so, I come up with a new project. Oh, I love that. So now, now it's Project Dirt. It might change in sixty days. It might yeah. change in thirty yeah, days. Yeah, sure, but sure. Right now is. Discipline, intention, and routine. That's so interesting to hear you talk about Project Chopper and Project Dirt because um, I feel like that's sort of the motivation that um, I need to have for myself and sort of what this um, this project has been for me because I've named it uh, the Let Me Play Project. Uh. And so it's, it's all about me sort of... Yeah, like putting or reintroducing as much play back into my life as I possibly can. Right. And uh, not that I can, you know, like literally play all the time, but <laughs> it's just finding the play in yeah. the in all of the moments. So, uh, yeah, it's so interesting to hear how that energized you because I had a similar, I've been having similar feelings with this. Like yeah. I used to, I mean, I still wake up and I don't particularly, you know, like getting out of bed (laughs) but um it it does help me when i can just think of all the things uh that i'm doing as uh oh i get to play like this today or i get to go and play here or i get to go play at moonshine or you know doing things because i choose i'm choosing to do them right introducing the agency which i feel like in my case at least uh, has built momentum and trust, which comes back to integrity for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it all does at the end of the day, right? Like who you are, yeah. when people aren't looking, what you do when you wake up. But it, it's just it's such a hard thing to maintain. Uh, th- those projects are important. So I'm glad. I'm glad that you're in this space of energy now where you, you're letting yourself play because a lot of people don't. Yeah. A lot of people really don't. I used to get so bummed out. Uh, I've been uh, I've been on set since I was five, right? And yeah. I never forget one day I was on a commercial for like number two pencils or something. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I was on a commercial and there's somebody I was twenty something. Somebody was like, "Hey, is this your first time on set?" I was like, "I looked that happy." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just it just and it I, I found that just statements like that, energy like that, being on some bigger productions really drove me to be independent, like more than yeah. I was already very independent, but 
those moments like that, this is like, yeah, I, I got to stay predominantly independent and let with intention, though. Like I work mm-hmm. with intention with people I like, people that like me. You know, I, I do work um, with with networks and whatnot, but I love being independent. It mm-hmm. allow it allows me to feel that that's that that spark, that energy, mm-hmm. you know, and it allows me to do it in any form I see fit. Honestly. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, your company. It's called J19. Mm-hmm. And it seems like uh, it's you you have so much and uh, you're you're you are you do have the freedom to like jump all over the place and sort of take on each new adventure as they come and sort of as you see fit. Um, how could you tell us a little bit uh, about the company and then also how you are able to like maintain your authenticity through it and so that the company is sort of an extension of yourself and not like work versus mm. you know your character that's a good question um so j19 global right is a company that uh, me and my mother started and it was funny because I we had toyed around with a bunch of different names. She she wasn't living in Georgia at the time, um, but I was I had some other other potential business partners. Um, and one day my mom was like, "Hey, you know we produced a show when you were fourteen. Don't you think we could run a business while you while you're grown and out of college?" And I'm like, mm, you, "You might be you might be right. You know we <laughs> did produce a show when I was really young mm-hmm. and when I didn't know anything, right?" So, you know, I had to pray about it. I had to pray about it. It's my mom. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, this night, I don't know if you've ever been in business with family. It's never easy. So I prayed about it. And what was revealed to me, it was like, hey, Josh, it's not going to be easy, but you're going to learn a lot. You know, uh, you might not like all the lessons you learn, but you're going to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. So bite that bullet. Do it. I don't care how you feel about it. Do it. So and that was it. I only needed to hear that one time, mm-hmm. and we we picked the we picked back up where we left off essentially and started the company. Mm-hmm. And J nineteen Global was found was formed out of that faith, right? That I was going to move in a direction that was closer towards my purpose and forming this company with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a legacy business. It's hard to detach it from. Uh, purpose is hard to detach it from uh, our own. I say our, like me and her, it's hard to detach it from our own personal values because at this point I, I do look at it like a legacy business. It's meant to, our family's been in business uh, for over 100 years just with funeral homes and hospitals and things like that. So the Brown family, which is my mother's last name, is very uh, in tune to sustaining businesses and what what we're here to do today is to sustain and scale mm-hmm. j19 global mm-hmm. and that's that's where we're at uh it's a legacy business that's mm-hmm. the best way i can put it <laughs> no that's so interesting i don't think i've heard um i'm sure there are other businesses that would identify as that but that's i hadn't heard that before um so it's really it paints a picture and you know it sets more of a a tone um because even, uh, you know, you, there's so many businesses out there that are, like, just strictly business, and that's fine. That's how they operate, um, you know, but they they just strike me as so much of 
just like cog in a machine type thing. Like, you know, here's the service. It's very transactional, I guess. Right. But right. I mean, and that's necessary. It is. Like we have, that was a part of some of the things I learned, just how to even be transactional. Cause yeah. I'm such like, I love things. Yeah. Right. Like if you give me, if you, me and you were to sit here and talk about a movie idea, I'd be invested in it. Right. I would want to yeah. help you make it. I would, you know, I'd be very kind of, best picture scenario type of guy right but then from a business standpoint you have to take a step back and look like what are the numbers how are we going to do this where distribution marketing like you got to ask yourself all these questions and then not be scared to attach big numbers to them right and that was my thing coming out of college with my peers and just trying to start a business at a young age it was just like nobody was really talking about real money you know and that's what partnering with my mother really um re- really was able to open me up to it's mm-hmm. just even a, the simple fact of having conversations about something over forty thousand dollars yeah right like yeah. and going to your company not not like as a check not as a as a oh you're gonna work for you know this year you're gonna mm-hmm. get forty thousand for the year like no this is this is the cost of the service yes you know that yeah. was i i wasn't able to have that conversation before i started this business with her oh i believe it so how did you build up to it like how did you practice there was no build up okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm joking i mean the build up was the life right like the build up has been the the history of working since you know she's been doing it since she was a kid i've been doing it since i was a kid so the build up was just getting out there and doing it Mm -hmm. and now honestly we differ and i'm not saying it's the best way it's a lot of ways to do things but uh, we differ I know I do, at least from some people I talk to now, my peer group, it's just like, yeah, no, resumes and experience and what you've done, yes, you need all of that. But if you don't jump off the porch, how do you start to walk towards your destination? Right. So there was no buildup. We kind of just start. We we said it. We said this is where we want to start. And that's where we started. She has a saying that uh, you start from the top and work your way up to the balcony. Uh, that's, oh, that's, that's nice. That's a Tina Brown quote. <laughs> okay. Okay. I like that. I'm going to start thinking about that. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a way to look at things. I'm a bit more grounded. I like to build foundations, going yes. back to the integrity. But you, it takes, again, uh, the two S words, right, sustainability and scale. Mm-hmm. That's something that really, like, started sticking my mind these last few years because right. a small business will stay small forever. Mm-hmm. You're right, because they don't acknowledge and take into account the techniques to scale right but then a new business might scale quickly but they don't last forever yeah so it really takes a blending of this old school and new school way of doing business just so you can you can do it the way it's supposed to be done Mm -hmm. i can't speak for every community and every businesses business but i know in my community and with the businesses i've been closest to um it's either been one or the other has been missing Mm-hmm. And figuring out how to combine those is the missing link that makes, for me, that makes J19 a legacy business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense because as a legacy would suggest, you would want it to go on for as long as possible. And also um, probably have lasting impacts on the bu- other businesses and people that you interact with. Yeah, yeah. I'd ra- I'd, you know, passing on debt ain't cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, it's also interesting to hear you speak on the sort of like the the endurance versus the more sprinterly approach to yeah. things too, because you're so right. Like you can, you know, start out with like 
the the highest or the best or like the superlative amount of something but then you're you're gonna burn out really quickly potentially if you don't lay the foundation like you were talking about um but then on the other side uh you can get people i think people do get stuck in sort of uh their comfort zones and that's fine um if you want to stay there and be comfortable but i i also really um admire uh growth on all levels uh just not in terms of necessarily like like it doesn't have to be measured by money it doesn't have to be measured by like a tangible thing it's just how can we preserve our intention and authenticity and all these these core values that we're doing this for ourselves um and for the people that are impacted um but how can we do it better right and I just, you said it there, I, I don't think I addressed it earlier, but it was interesting. I, it really, I had to think about it and it just came to me. But how do I personally maintain my authenticity? Mm. You know, um, I, it's all about the story. You know, I do believe that the revolution will be televised. Mm. I do believe that a tool that uh, that 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 is at, you know, our, our disposal as creatives is media. Um, in order to influence psychology of people, I feel like film and television is one of the few mediums that can truly influence psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, I believe in making positive content. I believe in making educational content. I believe in making content for people with people. I believe in helping people achieve their dreams. I believe in telling good stories. Like these are things that keep me going. Mm-hmm. And that 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 knowledge right there helps me stay who I am. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. It's a really beautiful pursuit, I think, and practice. Yes. Because it's very, at least for me, it's very much a practice in all of those things. Right, right. Lifestyle, practice. Like this, this is not for the faint of heart or the fleet of heart, right? You, you got to love it. <laughs> you really got to love it. Yeah, yeah. And that makes it so much harder or, like, maybe not harder, but um, to your point earlier, uh, I have that same reaction when you know you're on set for example like you mentioned and you're just having a great time because you're grateful to be there happy to be there excited to be there working on the project and then you know most of the people there aren't right (laughs) a healthy majority (laughs) a healthy majority but it's so sad because like especially with movies and filmmaking and all of that it's like literally nobody has to be here right like it's such it in, on one end, it's such a necessary craft and art form, but on the other end, it's not inherently necessary for us to like come together and make this movie. Right. So it's um, and it's not a stable industry, so it's very much a choice for people to get into it. So it's it's sad to me when you know people like ourselves are having a good time there, but a lot of people aren't. Right. Yeah, the burnout is real. Mm-hmm. The burnout is real. I'm sorry, grip department. I love you all. I know. <laughs> you know it's always you know, the grips. grips and gaffs, right? Like, <laughs> hey, I love you. You know, keep at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I don't know. And then I, I find it crazy how many people love to write but never write. Ooh, you know, and I yeah. found myself and I, and I didn't think it'd ever be me, but then I found myself shooting more, editing more, mm-hmm. doing more service work versus creative work. You know, and yes, that service work is creative. As a DP, I have to come over to shot list as editor, have mm-hmm. to stitch it together. But you know, uh, really, the story starts on the page. Yeah, 
and uh, just it, I never would have been able to foresee how how easy it is to get distracted from that, mm. you know. And that is something I think that has that's a battle that has to be fought daily. And that's mm-hmm. another thing that keeps me on this path because, like, you know, automating a business, being successful, really just is going to equal me being able to take some time to myself and write the script I want to write. Right, right. So, do you feel compelled? like more compelled as a writer than uh, a cinematographer or an editor or a director? See, I've won some cinematography awards I lately. So I, it's hard for me to say. I can't, yep, I, yep. you know, to be honest, I, I, to be real, I've, I picked up a camera mm-hmm. for the first time when I was 15. Um, and that was out of pure necessity. I literally, I took a few classes, boom, we had to replace some staff. And I was in a situation where, I was going to have to pick that camera up and show some people right now how uh-huh. to work it, right? Oh, wow. No pressure. You know, camera, audio, it was before the digital migration. It was a whole thing, mm-hmm. right? So I did that. Um, and But that was out of necessity. And then I shot a documentary. Boom. Out of necessity. I really didn't form a love for cinematography <clears throat> until it was all just storytelling. It was all animals, hosting, and storytelling mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. So I would direct. I would, I would consult. I would write i would do so many other things but cinematography just was not it and i say um about uh about five years ago five years ago um i, I purchased a sony fs7 okay yeah you know and people started calling like crazy and as that as that as i matured as a cinematographer finding that balance of being technically sound and doing this for the love of the story. Cause I've always loved directing. Cause like, yo, put the camera here, make mm-hmm. it do this, let it do this. Got the, you know, I love the interaction of moving pictures and how your camera tells a story. Mm-hmm. But, um, but developing that love for cinematography really came once I got the opportunity to do it for narratives, mm-hmm. not for corporate, not for money, but like to actually sit there and that that came in college a little bit, but it came once I started making a living as a professional, like shooting narratives. I was like, ah, I can, I'm cool with this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm cool yeah. with this. So I'm compelled as a writer, but any part of the job, the edit, editing, directing, writing, and uh, and shooting all help tell the story. Mm-hmm. So like those four places. I can, I can play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get, I get that vibe from you that you're an, an, at your core, you're a natural storyteller. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. I, I wish I could say I could pick one. Right. Yeah. But it's, I know it starts on the page. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. But it it ends in the editing room. <laughs> so, it, and there's like sure a does. lot of things <laughs> in between. So, you know, I, I sometimes I work myself too hard because I know people know I can do a lot. So it's like, hey, oh, can you shoot it? Can you edit it? Can you help me produce it? Can you can you consult me on the writing? It's like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's <laughs> a balance and a practice, too, of, yes, I have those skills. Yes, I can do that. But 
should is this the right project for me to help you out exactly. on and the right role and everything too exactly. um i am i always forget who this quote is from uh so i'm just sort of gonna paraphrase it uh maybe look it up later but i really love the quote that the as you said the story starts on the page but then it's retold on set with the cinematography and then it's uh, and with the director and everybody there um sort of telling the making a like a play like a visual play out of it Mm -hmm. um and then it's retold again by the editor yeah as like uh as like a you know a a final touch or so um but that quote always sticks with me because it's amazing to me that um in film or any like production-based medium i would say uh that this one idea can be retold so many times just to create one piece. Right. Right. And so I was wondering, since you do wear so many hats so joyfully and you have like so much of, uh, so much of your, uh, life and extension of yourself is like, you know, helping out on these projects and putting them together for yourself and everything. What, how have you been able to, either maintain i guess the integrity of an idea or a story from the beginning to the end through that process or is is that even important like should it grow and change or what are your thoughts on that um for me if if uh then if the foundation if the if the foundation and the values are right if the lesson is right if the base is right then even if it changes it'll still have remnants of the core like it'll still mm-hmm. be the same right even if the earth freezes over into an ice age like the core is going to melt that ice and it's going to be earth again one day mm-hmm. <laughs> you know well it's still earth but it's going to be earth like earth 2.0 you know what i'm <laughs> saying like that is just a cycle of things right yeah. and um i truly believe that stories like I, I believe a lot of things are connected. Like people have hearts, planets have cores, like stories have a heart as well. And that mm-hmm. same gravitational like orbit can exist around a story. So um, I know that's like a lot of metaphysical t- jargon, but it's just I feel like maintaining a story can happen in the outline and in the characters. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like who are your characters and what what what's the out? I love outlining stories before I before I really dig in. I first I write like personally. This and I, I don't do this for everyone, but I do help them outline the story so we can have a smooth production. But um, but I dive into the characters and then from their personal journals, their favorite topics, their favorite foods, their stuff that would never make the screen. But I write journals for these people. I love ensemble casts, and from there I outline their story. You know, using um, a technique called the 11 points. What is that technique if you just had to? Um, so that technique is, you know, much like Dan Harmon's story circle mm-hmm. or uh, what the, the save the cat or the 5X mm-hmm. structure is just a way to um, break down. Uh, um, break down a story. You can do it with anything. So uh, if uh, you have the setup of the main story, you have the uh, the character, the personal issue, the setup of the main story, the mm-hmm. inciting incident, mm-hmm. um, the button, the second act, uh, the to be or not to be of the second act. Then you have, I believe, the um, 
the run, the collision, and the mirror. That's ten points. Uh, mm. There's there's one out, but that's that's essentially the base. Like if you take those points, extrapolate on them, and attribute them to any story. Mm-hmm. That's the story. That's the story. And yeah. I, and I love that technique so much because if you look at, I can take your story. Say we were writing a movie, and I had a side character. His eleven points could last five minutes. While mine could last the entire film. Oh, yeah. You know, and it just gives you a lot of control of when you're outlining the story. It gives you a lot of control of how to pace it, how to deal with it, and how to kind of just maintain a flow. Mm. So for me, that's why I love outlining. Because before you spend time writing 100 pages of dialogue, you can figure out. And then you might still do that. Like I tried to turning I tried to turn a manuscript. I didn't try. I turned a manuscript <laughs> into a script at one point and it was uh-huh. a 500 page manuscript. Oh my gosh. You know, I ain't gonna lie. By the time I was done with the uh with the first draft, I was like, "Hey, uh something's got to change." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, I just, you know, cuz I was outlining so much and it can get kind of out of hand at times, but that's mm-hmm. my preferred method of extrapolating a story mm, that's so interesting because i heard of uh you know like save the cat and then the uh you know three act or five act structure however you want to look at it but that the way you described that um made me think it would delve a lot more into uh character psychology as well like having uh as a reader writer more of a relationship with the psyche of each character that you're building and then that would allow you to like more understand where they are and you know in their own hero's journey and like their perspective but also like how that affects the other characters that they're interacting with you exactly you got it that fast i didn't even go into what the points meant (laughs) (laughs) well i do have a little bit of knowledge about the other the other structure yeah 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 but you know no i just um i watched encanto uh for the first time yesterday Mm. and you know disney sort of disney Pixar and all of those um you know, they sort of, you know, more they or less have, have the same. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But those are really easy uh, films to, you know, watch and sort of attribute those sort of like structure or arcs to. Yeah. So you were like going through them and I was like, yep, that was the reflection moment. That was the. Right. <laughs> video games did it for me. Oh, interesting. Yeah, video, video games did. Uh, when I realized it could uh, be applied to a video game, I was like, oh. Oh, this is real. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. That's really interesting, though, because you're um, like as the player, you're controlling them. So there's oh. a lot more controlling. I'm right. doing the air quotes because, I mean, you're you're playing out the story. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're controlling them, but it's like to what degree do you have control? Oh, right. That's Yeah. <laughs> You have the illusion of control. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really it was really a metaphor for life, honestly. Like, just as a whole, I'm not going to get into why I like animation and cartoons and games so much, but I, it's very pure mm-hmm. in terms of the strands of hair, from the blades of grass, the wrinkles on a person's face. What, what happens in animation is not done in cinema. But mm-hmm. in order, tackling cinema with that type of purest mindset is something I enjoy. Mm, well, the animation has to be super intentional because everything right. everything that you see in the frame has to be created. Exactly. 
So it's all there for a reason. Exactly. And then add, add, add that visual element to people who take it a step further and do that with the psyche of the character. Yeah. So now you have something where, yes, I designed how this person puts on their socks, right? Like right. I designed that on top of why they put their socks on that way. Right. Like I pro, you know, it just, for me, it's in that. That I don't know if I'll ever do animation, mm-hmm. but the appreciation of how story is told in that medium kind of led me to want to be a filmmaker, honestly. Yeah. Well, I can see why. I mean, it's a, there's so much depth and layering that goes on both metaphorically and literally right. <laughs> in animation. Um, and you can, like, even on a subconscious level, those little things like the character putting on their socks this way versus that way. I mean, it makes such a difference in your understanding of who that character is and like why they're going through their own journey in this, in this particular way. Right. Um, It adds so much depth to them. Um, Outside. Oh, actually, before I get to that, when sticking with, filmmaking and um and i guess just art creation Mm -hmm. how can you tell if the structural integrity of a project or a business has been broken and what are the consequences of that instinct honestly i really don't know how to um how to how to look at it i don't know how i personally look at it in any other way my instincts really haven't yet to steer me wrong if i listen to them if i haven't listened to them i've steered myself wrong uh-huh but like you know right when something is broken when something is on the verge of being broken in business or in, in creative endeavors it just it doesn't feel right you know and as i get older it just it di- difficult conversations are not something i've necessarily sh- strayed away from but having them with myself Especially, you, no matter how I feel about the person, like, where am I at with this? And that that has just led me to be able to be a bit more honest, right? Not that I never was, but it's just difficult conversations are okay. If you don't like something, it's okay. If you don't like the way something is being done, it's okay. If you don't like the way something is being said, it's okay. Speak up. Say something, mm-hmm. right? If you got to step away, do that. And don't feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So have you had to practice that? Like, was that being able to step away or not feel guilty or bad or shamed or something? 100%. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. I've had to walk away. I've had to walk away from, I've had to walk away from mistakes I've made. Mm -hmm. Just because it was either nothing I could do, right? Um, You know, nothing I could do. Really, most of the time, it was nothing I could do. If I've had to walk away, I try not to ever have a problem without a solution. Right. But in my career of, you know, 20-plus years at this point, I've made mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I've had to let those go. Um, And in terms of people and, like, different business ventures and things that they want to start and things that they want to do, it's just like, hey, this sounds interesting. But I'm honestly... Like not in a place where I feel comfortable doing this. It's something I've had to say to people I love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those tough conversations are are just that. They're like so tough because it sounds like you have a really um, good awareness of like your your gut instinct, like you were talking about before, and how it sort of guides you uh, as long as you listen to it. Right. Um. 
So I guess in those situations, you probably, you know, also felt a gut instinct just telling you not to, and you had to speak up on it and listen to it that way. Yeah, and it's really that simple. I I, I wish there was like some red flag or factor that jumped out at me, but people, everything, everybody's different. Some people, somebody might talk about someone like a dog, but then like you meet them like, hey, they're actually not, they're not bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like let you... What does your instinct say about that person? What do you, what right. how do you feel about that person? And yeah, I just I try and trust it. I've I've been doing that since I was a kid, and you know, my mom has trusted. That's honestly, she leaned on me a lot when when I was fourteen, and we were producing the show. I think my instinct she relied on more than anything, and my ability to host. But other than that. You know, she constantly asks me, what do you think about this person? We casted like 72 people. It's just, I don't know. It's something that I've always just done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've, it sounds like you've done it, you've had it, and you've sort of nurtured it. And you just have a really good relationship with with yourself, basically. Yeah, some people would call that words that maybe, you know, I don't want to throw egotistical or narcissistic out there, but it's like, it's not that. I'm trying to take my slices of humble pie as I can get them, but I do love myself and I love what I do and I love the hope that I carry around what I do. And that's just it. I don't really, I try not to stress about much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think people feel that. I mean, I definitely feel that from you specifically, just, you know, that you're very, um, you're very like, sure of yourself just like who you are as a person and you carry yourself that way and um you know very calm collected but early that's how you come off um so it it makes sense that uh you know other people pick that up about you as well you know um how do your does your gut instinct go off or like send off the red flag or anything when you can tell that somebody around you uh either isn't expressing themselves authentically or that they don't uh, they don't have as much integrity as you are. Maybe that's not the way to phrase it, but it's just not like having a practice of integrity is not uh, important to them necessarily. Right. They they start to blend in and yeah. say and do things that aren't true to what how they feel. Yeah. How does that um, come off for you? It it hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Um, to be honest, like sometimes I have to run right past it. Um, in those moments, I find being unfortunate. But just what I've realized is, you can't really build someone else's foundation for them. Um, I try and be as supportive as I can, as the situation will allow me. Um, but there's two things about me that happen to be selective and that's my patience and my memory, mm. you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't always choose, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I definitely tend to get feelings of people that are not authentic, but I'm also a very friendly guy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I'm working, I'm, I'm working. I mm-hmm. just, Everything else is going over my head. I'm trying to get something done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You know um, how to prioritize and what's like an immediate issue and what 
you know, can be resolved later. Yeah. 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 Because some things like that, that's not going to be fixed immediately, yeah. right? Like someone, the red flag for me going to somebody not being secure, somebody being offended by something on, at, on the job or even in personal life. Like, okay, this is something that's going to have to be talked about over time. But like right now, this is what I'm trying to do myself. And like right. if we're doing this together, okay, cool. We need to have a conversation. But if I really don't need you to mm-hmm. do what I'm trying to do, gone yeah 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 because you're in a work situation um you're there with purpose right and you need to complete that purpose unfortunately i wake up i go to sleep i eat business work future like my thing right now is i'm 30 if it takes 35 years if it takes whatever however long it takes it's worth the time Mm -hmm. however long it takes if by that time I've set up a legacy business that lasts for the rest of the generations that my name is present on this earth, it was worth that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care how long it takes, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I think that's a beautiful way to look at it, too, because you you know that you're creating it from um, – you and your mom are doing it from a place of, like, yourselves and, like, your love for what you're doing, a passion, uh, and not that – you're choosing to do it. Right. And I think that that's a wonderful pursuit. Um, yeah. In context like that, for me, um, I'm, I've been sort of like struggling with uh, like taking the, um, I guess like the intimacy out of it, like the closeness, like the wanting to, I guess making things personal, mm-hmm. like the relationship out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of uh, saying, like being able to prioritize like nope this is work you're here for work so just do the work things mm-hmm. and then you know the the friendship and like those other problems like you were saying will resolve over time they're not immediate and also they're like um i found a lot of the time too people when people are very negative or when they're um expressing frustration at you you're just sort of an outlet like it doesn't really have anything to do with you right. necessarily a lot of the time it's just you happen to be in the in the crossfires yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean and taking the personal out of it isn't easy honestly i don't think i have mm-hmm. you know i just i i i deal with my personal different Mm. it's not I can't take it out of what I do I love what I do I, right. I can't if I took the intimacy, intimacy out of Joshua and his career I, I don't know if I'd look at it I don't know if I'd feel the same I don't know if I could mm. stay up for days at a time or edit like around I couldn't mm-hmm. <laughs> you know if it wasn't if I wasn't intimately like close with what I was doing it's just you know, I just as I don't know, for some reason, I, I've learned to process my personal feelings differently hmm. um, and not necessarily feel the need to separate them. I know some people who say they can, but I really haven't met the person to this day that can truly separate their, their personal life from something that they love. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm struggling with because it all <laughs> seems like it goes together, right? It does. Okay, cool. <laughs> it does. It's just how, how you learn to deal with it. I yeah. think it's the real question. And that, for me, that comes with like that knowing of yourself, that, that security, that like that hope blanket that you have that mm-hmm. you can put over your heart and like, okay, like, yeah, things got messed up, but I'm okay. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. Like, yeah. It's me. 
Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> we know each other. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> or at least we're getting to know each other. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. What else do I want to know? Do you think that integrity is a buildable trait? <sighs> that's, that's tough. That's tough. I feel that's tough. I'm really thinking back on different experiences I've had with different people and in places where people who I thought would let me down did let me down mm. and people who I was hoping wouldn't let me down, you know. I don't That's know. always the worst when you're hope like you you know they're going to come through or they have the ability to come through right. and they've told you that they're going to come through and then they you just do don't. not. Yeah. So Thinking about those experiences, that's a hard question to answer. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Is integrity a buildable trait? Um, it can't be built. Mm -hmm. it, I, I don't think it can be built, but it can be triggered. Oh, what do you mean by that? Um, I feel like and this is just my opinion. I feel like if you have integrity, you have integrity. Like, and that's something that you have, mm. even though things might not always look that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that will never truly leave you. Like you, if you practice, if you tap into that, if you practice that, if you flow with that natural instinct you have to have that foundation, have that love, to have that core to have that togetherness then yeah you'll be you'll, life will work out um but on the flip side there are people who in, in my experiences have foregone all integrity have foregone many values and i don't necessarily feel like that person can be i don't feel like that can be built in them over time mm -hmm. i feel like something has to happen in their life for them to be, for the switch to come on, for integrity to be triggered within them. And sometimes it might be very drastic, mm -hmm. right? But something drastic needs to happen because it becomes, you know, almost like an addiction at that point. They become addicted to how easy it is to be non-integral, how mm. easy it is to... Oh, drop it. Just let it go. Let yeah. things fall through the cracks. And I just feel people get addicted to a bad mindset. Right. Well, yeah. it's so, I mean, it's the epitome of slippery slope. Right. Like just not doing the thing that you said you were going to do. Right. And I just, I have yet to meet a person who has just built that. I've met people who have, honestly, I don't know if I've met anybody where the triggers have flipped. I have people in my life that I know where I hope the trigger flips. Hmm. You know, but mm -hmm. to this day, I, I don't I can't think of a story that I've heard where someone I didn't have integrity and they came to have it. I, I just haven't heard that. I've heard people making mistakes, having integrity and making mistakes. Yeah. And redeeming themselves. Yeah. 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 But, but they had it to begin with. Exactly. Well, that's so interesting because the trigger you phrasing it as a trigger makes me think that. um it would on it would almost come out of necessity or like a survival instinct. Essentially, it, I mean, it would have to be that foundational. Like yeah. it would have to become. It'd have to be. It's not for me because if if something they're trying to build is like a choice they have to make every day. I don't choose to have integrity. 
Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, which uh, shirt am I going to wear today? Right. Like, uh, that's just not yeah. how – I don't know. I don't I don't choose to be a loving person. I don't. I mean I don't choose to love myself. It just kind of just do. You just do. Yeah. yeah. It's that ingrained. It's that natural. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm trying to like go back and think if I've heard a story where somebody didn't – or anybody that I know that didn't have it and then – you know, they tapped into it, were right. triggered into it, and then kept living their lives like that. Because that's the key. Like, right. I feel like people can tap into it, especially if it's a survival thing. But then do they keep it that way? Exactly. And keep it going. So that's a that's a good little thought exercise there. <laughs> <laughs> and conversation. Right? Yeah. It's like, you know, pull up on people in the street. Do you have integrity? <laughs> right. You know, ask their friends, their grandma. You know, yeah. That's always a good person to ask somebody's grandma. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? the, the wisdom seekers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they, they've been, they might not speak all the time, but they've been watching everything. Yeah. You know, and you don't have to, you don't really have to be around a person a lot to know if they're, if they have you know, a value structure. Right. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, so in my understanding of integrity, or at least the way that I sort of shape it up for myself is an alignment of intention, speech and action. Mm. And part of that, I try to let that sort of guide you know, all three of those things for me, like having all three be aligned, um, basically doing what I want to do and carrying through them out. Um, but a big part of that, which I'm practicing now is, uh, vocalizing the intentions and, uh, like, you know, asking for help with things and sharing, you know, dreams or ambitions and things like that. I was wanting to ask you what thoughts or dreams or goals, ambitions, whatever you want to call them, do you think are best to share and which ones are best to keep? Mm. Uh, uh, I'm an open book. You share everything. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not hiding anything. No. Yeah. And that's so much easier when you're not hiding anything. I don't see the point. I, right. I, you know, I have found myself. I will say uh, I read the 48. I didn't read the whole book. I'm not done yet. But the 48 Laws of Power, one of the laws is never outshine the master. I read it and I was like, that's bull. What does that mean? Like, <laughs> what if I am What if I feel like I'm better? You know? Yeah. Uh, but then I started working in a professional space. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I'm making them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Just by being ambitious, just by being proud, just by being who I am, I'm literally making someone making six times. Like I see it on their face, I'm making them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's what it means. You know, sometimes not necessarily head don't. I it's not that I don't want to share my dream, but sometimes I have to realize, like, okay, I've said enough. You know, mm. now I'm done. Right. I don't have mm-hmm. to continue to tell you what I got going. You know, it doesn't have to be a belabored conversation. It can be like, hey, that's what I want. That's what I'm trying to do. Period. Right. And that, I think, is the discernment that I'm growing into. Because mm-hmm. when I was younger, it'd just be like, yo, you would sit down and talk to me. I'm going to tell you everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? But now it's just depending on who I'm talking to and in the room, I, I taper it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not often, but depending on the room, I try and be cautious and, and cognizant of 
am I intimidating people I still need to learn from? Oh, that's so interesting. So you're very much like reading the room, but also sharing as much as you think the other person will allow into them with like good grace. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. You yeah. Know? And I don't leave out much. It's just I try to know when to stop and when to flip that attention back to the person. Right. Right. And make it right. more conversational and just learn different networking techniques. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I don't. I, again, I, it, it's 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 ridiculous to intimidate someone you want to learn from. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too is like you can. I'm of the the version uh, that we can learn from anybody. Right. They're like. Regardless of what, how much I think that an individual can learn something from anyone they come across. I agree. Honestly. So, yeah, I totally agree with you there. But that must be um, – it could be a little tricky, like, to not dim your light, you know, when trying not to outshine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's why i love the independent world <laughs> yeah yeah you are the light there you know <laughs> and people are coming to you you know and it's just slowly but surely that's beautiful um is integrity integral to living a life fulfilled Hmm. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, uh, integrity to me is truth and um, truth and practice. Mm-hmm. What is your truth? Do you practice it? You know, do you do that again alone with people? Like, or how, how often are you yourself? That number should be over ninety five percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, ninety five percent is still low in my mind, right? Like, yeah. How often are you yourself? If you can answer that and you can truly say one hundred percent, in my mind, you could have a million, you could have two dollars in your pocket, but you'll you'll be happy. Mm, mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, I <laughs> going back to my my one high school statistics class. I always remember like the. 95 like whenever we would get 95 percent that was like i remember that being really low (laughs) 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 like you know when you were calculating like what is the the probability of this or what is the probability of that right when we because we were always shooting for like you can't have a hundred percent usually or at least in the statistics that we were doing but it was uh you know, usually 98, 99, but once it got to 95, it was like, no. Right. Nope. Right. It's, it's likely to not happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, it doesn't sound like much compared to five, but I mean, that's, that's a lot. It's a big margin for error. Yeah. It is a big margin of error. So it sounds like you are on a really good path, sort of attracting and doing all of the things that. Are compelling you to create and go on and express yourself in alignment with all of those things how full would you say your heart space is <laughs> uh to I, I don't know it has no limit you know I'm, mm. I'm 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 here i don't know i i love what i do and i love it more every day i keep Turning the corner, I left, before I came here, I was in a meeting and I met somebody new and I was like, oh, okay, boom, you could enter this ethosphere with me. This could work, right? Mm-hmm. I could connect you with other people. This could work. And I don't know, it's, 
I'm, I'm, I love science, right? Like thing atoms are constantly seeking new forms, new energy, new, new ways to interact with other, other matter. I feel like that's us as people, right? Like once we're charged, once we are an electron, we're constantly going to be charged, like moving. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. So, um, my heart space is filled for a couple of reasons. One, I do what I love and I don't do anything else. Uh, two, uh, I'm not, afraid i'm not afraid to love what i do unequivocally right um even though sometimes people try and make it seem like hey you don't take take a vacation like uh, i will don't worry i will when mm. it's right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, thank you yes <laughs> you know and then and then honestly i i have resolved that there are certain things that i'm willing to die for there's mm-hmm. certain principles that i'm willing to die for and i'm okay with that Hmm. Yeah, I don't plan on it, but like, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, I would consider myself. I'm still figuring out a lot of things about how to like move in the way that is most efficient. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely consider myself at peace. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. How would you encourage someone to seek that peace or that sort of full? Uh, full heart space. Mm. That's a that's a good question. How would I encourage someone to seek it? Yeah. Um. Well, that's difficult. I I I honestly struggle with giving this advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I struggle with giving this advice just because of my life. Like I've I've walked in this purpose from such from such a young age. It feels almost like a cheat code to me. Mm-hmm. And at some points, it's like I feel bad about it because I haven't actually diversified. And there's so many things I don't know. I'm still learning about taxes and, you know, all types of other things. And it's like, okay, Josh, like, yeah, you're good at telling a story. But, man, you got, you got a lot of life to still live, figure mm-hmm. out. Um, but that's okay. That's a part of it, right? Um, so, yeah, I struggle with giving that advice just because... I've I've had faith in what I want for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to give it and somebody was willing to listen, it would just be find that thing that when you were a kid, right? Like find those things. It's not it's oftentimes not one thing, but put those put that puzzle together. Take the time, take the real real soul searching heartbreaking time to look back and think about things people maybe made fun of you about, you know, or not. Maybe they thought it was cool. I don't know. But put that puzzle of your life together, starting not, don't start from now. Don't start from who you are now. Start from when you were a child. Start from when you had just pure love and pure interest and pure curiosity for things. Start from when you were just genuinely interested in something. Like just genuinely curious when you genuinely just wanted something to be better and start with those feelings and putting that together and then just start and just start doing it. And if it can, if it starts to fulfill you, if if you feel fulfilled, then you might need to keep doing it, <laughs> you know, and if you don't, then try something else, mm-hmm. right? Like before I was a filmmaker, I worked on a farm, on a veterinarian hospital. I thought I was going to be an animal doctor. Wow. I thought I was going to be a vet. And I just was blessed to have the mom who put me through those experiences 
at such a young age. Oh, you want to be an animal? You want to be a doctor of animals? Okay, you're not 10 yet. Hey, I'm going to sign this waiver. Let him work in the hospital. Hey, uh, you can't pay him. My mom used to give me a $50 money order to make it look like the farm was paying me because I was too young to work. Mm -hmm. Like she just, you know, not everybody is blessed, as blessed or as fortunate as I was to have someone to encourage them to go for things that they want. But just try it. If it fulfills you, try it. Like, I still want to work with animals, and I will. And I don't know. It's just, that's my best. That's the best I got. No, <laughs> I love it. That's the best I got. I love it. How poetic. Put the puzzle of your life together. I love it. Amazing takeaway. Is there anything, uh, of course, you have J19, and that's that's beautiful. Uh, is there anything, aside from the company as a whole, that you would like to promote or share? Um, yeah, it's a lot of things. So, uh, boom, big things. Uh, Bonfire ATL is a, oh, yeah. uh, is a, is a, is a, is a happening venue mm -hmm. in which you can go every Sunday and some other days too. They have, they have events there quite often, but every Sunday for sure. Excuse me. Bonfire ATL. Um, it's a bonfire. It's a kickback. They have music, comedy shows, a skate park, food. I mean, the whole nine. It's a very cool environment. But the first Sunday of every month, I host a podcast there, The Big C Word, where we, uh, we have conversations. We talk about philosophy, politics, mental health. And, you know, for, for me, my C word is communication. It's the word that starts with a C that helps me see things differently. Mm -hmm. And you can find it. Um, website, social media, the big C word at the big C word. So that's C spelled S E E. Mm. You know, and that's what that's a personal project of mine that I finally was like, you know what? I've been doing debates for years. I'm going to go ahead and start doing them in clubs and other yeah. places. We're, we're popping up all over the city. Be on the lookout for us. But the big C word. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and the second thing is working with a director, writer, Alonjay Halls. Man, he's become a friend of mine, not only a client, but he's become a very close friend. He went from working at Best Buy, just this whole conversation, I mean, he could be a part of it, right? He went from working at Best Buy to putting his friends in movies. Wow. Like, literally, there was no college. There was, there was, no, there was no big jump. Like, he just, well, that was a big jump, but there was no baby steps. Like, he was yeah. working at Best Buy, and then he wanted to start writing and making things. And a few years ago, he got his coworkers and friends together and started. And today, he's able to work with people like me, mm -hmm. and we make we're making two complete series. One is on Jaro uh, Jaro TV called Silver and Gold. So, you know, people like him, meeting people like him, working with people like him, I, I appreciate relationships like that because yes, I mean, there it is somewhat transactional, but at the same time, we built a friendship and a bond based off of the dream. Yeah. It's a shared love for the craft yeah, and the storytelling and everything. Absolutely. absolutely, And the willingness to do what it mm. takes to put it out there. Right. 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 To do it the right way. Exactly. Because, I mean, we don't have a big crew. Yeah. Right? We have a very small. Sometimes it's just me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe like one person. But mm -hmm. we've won awards. We've been traveling. Like the show's doing great. Yeah. And the goal is to get the second season to get the money. So now I can call all the people I went to college with. Like, hey, I got some, I got some money for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Call you, right? Hey, Sarah, yeah, exactly. I got some money yeah, for you. Yeah, please do. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like. <laughs> You know, those are those are two projects that are in my orbit right now that are taking a lot of time, but they're I'm, they're taking a lot of time with love. 
Mm, and that's the best way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Always with love. Oh, if it's not, then I mean, check check your check. If your check's right, walk away. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you know? that's on uh, getting paid what you're worth. You know, you know. Some <laughs> sometimes in this industry, sometimes we gotta survive. Just don't lose yourself. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. Well, that's so cool to hear about Bonfire. I've been there a couple times uh, to shoot some stuff actually a couple of years ago, but I haven't right. gone to you know just enjoy. Mm. So I'm definitely gonna have to go back and check that out. Um, and go see your podcast yeah, sometime, we're, this, too. we're there tomorrow, December Oh, perfect. 4th. Yeah, yeah, Great. Yeah. Um, where can, where are uh, some other places uh, people can go to support you individually? I know you have your Instagram. Um, yeah, yeah. So the website, j19global.com. Um, my personal Instagram, Joshua Andre Brown or HB, Joshua HB Denard. I almost spelled my full name, but, uh, <laughs> so in a way to spell that is just Joshua happy birthday, like HB Denard, D E N N A R D. And that's on Instagram or I'm not, I'm never on Twitter, just Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, the visual platform. Yeah. 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 And then J19 Global has an Instagram as well. The oh, big perfect. C word has an Instagram. So. You know, you'll see a panda in a suit or you'll see me in a suit and you'll know you're in the right place. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's generally what I think whenever I see pandas. You know. I'm in the right place if there are pandas present. Eggs. Yeah. I'm Sarah. We're cool. We're cool. <laughs> I, you know, and I knew we were. Like, as yeah. soon as I met you, I was like, he's a friend. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for, for coming over and sharing your very uh, your very valuable time with me. I really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better and our conversation today. And I wish you all the best. And I hope our paths continue to cross. That it will. And thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Welcome back, friends. That was Joshua. Happy birthday, Denard. Joshua H.B. Denard. And I really hope you enjoyed hearing from this storyteller, filmmaker, and overall just beautiful soul. I would highly recommend taking his advice and going and just starting on assembling the puzzle of you. Even if you don't have all the pieces or you're not sure what type of puzzle you even are, it definitely would behoove you to start. And it's fun to puzzle solve. So, highly recommend. If you liked hearing from Joshua today, also definitely check out J19, the company that he shares with his mother. And also check out his podcast, The C Word. And if you're in Atlanta, you can even catch it live at Bonfire, which is a really cool venue. So, go check it out. You can follow Let Me Play on Substack, Instagram, and Twitter. And next week, we'll be back with a new word and a new friend. Until then, thanks for playing. <laughs>